0: Well, I'm glad to be with you again tonight. I've missed you. It's, it's, it's really good to see all of you. I have missed you quite a little bit. Thank you for honoring my request not to have visits. Um, I don't do well with anesthetic, and uh, it takes me two, three weeks just to, uh, once it's passed, just to get back where I can think sort of normally, and it's uh, annoying, but that's the way it is. Anesthetic... Uh, there, there are a lot of things I've, I can tell you and I've learned over not only this but several other op- episodes, and that's that um, anesthetic is a very strong drug that stays with you anywhere from um, usually three weeks to up to three months. Uh, and it, your body uh, will experience depression because it goes through um, the loss of that drug. It, it got used to that drug. And when, it, when it's not present not being fed more, as soon as it runs out of what it thinks it needs to have, your body thinks it needs to have, it, it gets depressed because it's not got it. So that's why you, you hear people talk about uh, post-depression uh, um, or post-operative depression and that sort of thing. That's what it's from. It's from the anesthetic itself. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that you can do to work your way through it. Anesthetic just slows everything down your whole body processes slow down and they don't work like they did before. And it takes a while for all of that to catch back up again. And uh, that's, uh, for me, that's just not a fun period of time and that's why I'm not good company. So thank you for honoring that. I I appreciate it. It's not that I didn't want to see people. I do love to see people. I just don't, uh, I, I can't quite handle that. Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that has got to be the best news in all the world. Um, who Jesus is, what he's done, that's the most wonderful thing you can possibly hear about. Um, the, this book, The Complete Green Letters, is um, I, I hope you're enjoying the book. I hope you're, you're getting from it. Uh, some people um, look at it and think of it's not that it's too mystical or it's too out there. It's, it's not. It's very practical. This is just telling you, here's what God has said, either you believe it or you don't. That's what the complete letters is really all about. Matter of fact, before we even get into chapter thirty-one tonight, I want to just talk to you about what this book is about in its uh, its essence. So, the um, the first chapter, this thirty-one, chapter thirty-one uh, next week, chapters thirty-two and thirty-three are called "In Law and Outlaw." They're they're about the uh, the believer's relationship to the law, why there is law, and what the believer's relationship is to it. Because that's, those two chapters are the same, I chose to do one chapter tonight and those two chapters together next week because I didn't want to put too much distance between believers' relationship to the law and then believers' relationship out of it. I wanted to get them in the same night if I possibly could. So we're just going to do chapter 31. And secondly, I don't know how long I can last, so I'm just going to go for what I can, and hopefully that gets done. Uh, letter A, let's, let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that he is to us. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the truth that Christ did die for us and in our place. And thank you that that death was sufficient to pay for us completely. It was sufficient to... uh, render inoperative the old man that was in us and to justify us. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which gave to us brand new life. Thank you for those principles that work in us even now, the things that are being done to us in a great work. And I thank you for what you're going to do as you open our hearts tonight to understand what we're looking at in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's talk about getting the principle behind the green letters. Um, some read this, As a matter of fact, I, th- I think um, a, a, a pretty good friend of mine uh, read this and said, "Well, this book is just let go and let God. This is not what it is. It is not let go and let God. This is not relinquish all your responsibility and let God do something. That's not what it is at all. So if I can, it's not let go and let God. Number two, from the beginning of creation, we were in to be in a union. Teamwork with God, not working independently from Him. That's from the beginning. Um, consider with this: teamwork is the way the Godhead, the Trinity, created and animated everything. They're working together to get things done. It's it's not. When we say God created, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the the Spirit. They're all working together. God the Father is speaking. God the Son, who is the Word of God, is creating. That's what it says in the Word of God, that the Father created all things through him. So as he's speaking, Jesus, as the Word, is creating what he said. Uh, the Father's message, the Father's word has meaning. You know? Just like you, when you speak, if I say ball, that means something to you, we've, we've, we know what it is, we've, we've got, we may look at a ball differently, we may see a football, might see a soccer ball, might see a red ball, a blue ball, doesn't matter that, it has a spherical surface to it. Well, when the Father speaks, the Son knows what he's saying. So the Son creates the very thing he said. But it's the Spirit that gives it life so you had the father speaking the son creating and the spirit animating it they're they're doing just like that the whole time you had the father giving people to the son you have the son winning those people you have the son paying for those people and you have the spirit applying life to those people so it's always every work of god is always the father son and holy spirit and they work together in a teamwork everybody follow where i'm at here because they work together in a teamwork Everything that's going to glorify God has to work as a teamwork. That's why he creates husband and wife. That's a team. That's why each of the animals had a male and a female. That's why there are also two parts usually to a plant. There, just about everything has that teamwork episode to it. The whole ecology works together as a teamwork. Water is needed. Air is needed. Light is needed. All those things are needed, and they all work together in a system, a teamwork, if you would. God created living things to work as teams by creating male and female counterpart and giving them things to do that were not to be done separately. He's not calling on the, the wife, let's, let's say, with, uh, be fruitful, multiply. He's not calling the wife to do that by herself. That's not a by-yourself thing. The husband can't. So you've got to have the team there to be fruitful, multiply. For them to do uh, the work that God's giving them on the earth, to have dominion. They're going to have to work together as a team. You can't. You, it's it's pretty difficult to run a farm by yourself. Um, they're going to run this whole creation together as a team. And they were working with the other animals. They were working with all the things around them. They're working with all the elements. So the whole thing is a teamwork. Everybody follow where I'm at? Uh, I hope you do, because... He made us to work together on everything just as he had. That's glorifying God. When you are working together to accomplish the task that God has given you, that glorifies God. When you work independently of each other and just do your own thing, that creates chaos. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of chaos. He is the author of order. He brings order out of chaos, all right? To act independently, even to do good things, is rebellion or sin. Consider the nature of the fall of man in Genesis 3 and its independent actions. So let's just go back and review for a moment. What was it like in Genesis chapter 3? The, the serpent is acting independently of God. He didn't ask God's permission if he could go talk with a man or woman. He didn't ask God's permission if he could offer them something new. He was working on his own. He worked independently to tell them something that God had not said to tell. As a matter of fact, he is going to tell them to do something that God told them specifically not to do. She's gonna to listen to him, and she's gonna say independently, God must have lied to us. That, what, what the serpent is telling us is probably true. He doesn't want us to be like him. So acting independently of God... She's going to do something that's going to lead her into a problem. And the man is going to do exactly the same thing. Instead of listening to what God had to say, he's going to act independently, make his own independent judgment about what's true, what's not true. And as he acts that way, that's going to create the rebellion that leads to um, the fall of man. That's where the fall's coming in, acting independently. Everybody see where I'm at on this? Uh, Yes. Yes. The, uh, Jesus said that they are not making a choice to act independently Jesus said to them that is a gift from God okay. That uh, if, when you see uh, people like that, Daniel for instance he was never married uh, we have no record of his marriage, matter of fact he may have been made a eunuch uh, just because of what they normally did to the wise men so that they wouldn't get distracted by anything it's, it's a gift of God to be single it's 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 like it's a gift of God to be married. It's a gift of God to those who can be single. That's the way Jesus said it. Anyway, everybody see where we're at on that. That's the way he said it. Paul said the same thing in First Corinthians seven. He said, "I wish you were all like me and not married, because I am devoted completely to the Lord Jesus Christ." Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think if you if you see where I'm coming from, each of the uh, let me go to. Um, uh, Aaron's two sons Um, they had been given the high privilege of being priests before Almighty God that's that's miles ahead of everybody else nobody else got that chance to be intercessors and there with that great opportunity they acted independently of God and offered up strange fire they're not going to wait for God's fire to light up They're, they're going to make their own fire and pretend that they can offer that that independent act was an act of rebellion. Everybody see where I'm at? Saul did the same thing. By by not doing what God told him to do, he chose for himself to act independently of God, independently of what Samuel told him to do, and to do his own thing. If everybody's with me on this, that's the principle behind green letters. In green letters, it's trying to tell you, yes, there are commandments all in this book. You're commanded to love one another but you're not commanded to love one another in your own way. That love is coming from God, and it's empowered by God. It is the the gift of the Holy Spirit to love. So we're not even to love without being dependent upon God. God's not calling on us to act independently. He's calling on us to, to depend on him, to give ourselves all over to him, and let him empower us to do those things, all right? Number three, consequently, when Christ comes as the Messiah, he does not work independently of his father. He trusted his father and did what was pleasing to him, even down to death on the cross. So I want you to think about the Lord Jesus Christ for a moment. Jesus said in John chapter five, don't think that I came to work independently. I don't do anything on my own. I'm doing what my Father shows me to do. Whatever He tells me to do, that's what I'm doing. Whatever He shows me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to act independently. Everybody with me on that? It's that principle of Him trusting what the Father was going to tell Him to do. Jesus was a great man of faith. Um, I'm, I'm, maybe sometimes when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't think of Him as having to have faith. He's God. He's man. He's man. And he's having to have great faith to listen to his father. It's going to take faith for him to understand that he is the Messiah. Huh? I mean, is, is he suffering from delusions of grandeur? Or is he believing what his father said? You're my son. I'm well pleased. You are the Messiah. You're the one I've chosen to be the Messiah. You are it. He's not going to act independently even of that. Uh, he's not going to say to the, de- the father, I don't want to do this. Even when it comes down to his death, Father, if this cup can pass from me, nonetheless, your will be done. Even down to that moment of suffering where he knows he's going to be separated from his father, he knows he's going to go through intense pain, he's still not going to act independently. He knows he could call all the angels, he's the Lord of hosts. He could call all the angels to come in and rescue him and destroy the whole world and start all over again. He does not do that. He does not act independently. When he passed on to us the manner in which we were to live, he gave such commandments as to abide in him, not to act independently. Remember that he said, "If you don't abide in me, you cannot bear fruit. Any branch that does not abide in me, that is a union with him. That's a teamwork thing. You're you're as close as the vine and the branch. That all the all that the vine is bringing up, all that that trunk is bringing up, is feeding into the vine." That's where our life source is. Our life source isn't cut off from Him and laying on the ground and doing our own thing. No, it's as we are abiding in Him. So it's always been a union with Him that we're called on to to participate in. You follow where I'm I'm coming from? It's never been um, doing what we want to do ourselves. We were to be guided and led and completed by the Holy Spirit. Following the Spirit was the only way to be pleasing to God. You, you are not pleasing to God because you, you acted independently and you, you wanted to show Him that you've done something really good. No, that's why He told us to do things anonymously. Don't, don't go around bragging on Him because you get your reward. You acted independently. You, you said, I'm doing this now for Rich. I'm going to do this for Rich. Okay? Well, Rich benefits from it, but Rich and I are the only ones that benefit there was no big thing that came from it, no glory that came from it. God didn't get glory in it. <clears throat> Number five, walking in the Spirit is to trust God for what He says is true and live from that principle, not to make up our own rules and opinions about how to live. You know, one of the things I've been doing over the, um, this, this time that I've had, I've been studying the church. I've um, been studying about the African church and coming to realize the African church was a big deal in the first centuries. We don't hear much about it because we're Western people and we don't like to think of Africa. But Alexandria, um, Hippo, um, all along Carthage, all along North Africa were some of the most powerful places of churches on the earth. And churches forming in Ethiopia were strong churches good churches, and there's a lot of uh, wonderful things that came out of there. We don't have a lot of their literature because it wasn't considered... um, I'll just say there's a European bias, and it wasn't considered as smart as Europeans. So if it's not smart as Europeans, uh, it's, it's not good stuff. Also, the Eastern Church had a lot of wonderful people in it that were doing many wonderful things in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've been studying about the church, <clears throat> and, and seeing uh, how many traditions had been formed by the church that have no biblical content to them at all. And it made me wonder, Oh, well, how many of those things do we have as Edgemont Bible Church that are our traditions? We wouldn't think of them as traditions. It's just the way things are done. Well, just the way the things are done, if you don't have a biblical reason for doing it, why are you doing it? You know, that's, that's something. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just share something with you here. I also had opportunity to um, really think over what healing is about. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I think I'll have a message that's just about that so we can talk about some things together. Um, before I had the um, open heart, the triple bypass, I had called for the elders to come and pray for me. James chapter 5 says, any among you sick, let him call for the elders, and they will lay hands on him, anoint him with oil, and pray for him that he may be healed. Um, I, I asked them to do that, and they were gracious to come and be obedient to what James chapter 5 says. They did what it says to do. Um, I, I will still hold that that is largely what's responsible for my recovery. Um, the, my surgeon was talking to Shar and I on... Um, what day was that? I don't know, Monday? <laughs> Things get blurred after a while. Um, and he was saying, uh, you know, you are an active man. And that's that's paid a whole lot into it. And I thought, boy, if you really knew, <laughs> I'm not all that active. But he said, that really played into it well. Uh, you take care of yourself. Because uh, 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 this, uh, this year, I, I just figured out I'm 74 this year not 73. I've been telling everybody I'm 73. I'm not. 74 this year. And they they were saying, there are a lot of 74-year-old people we we see go through this that are not where you are. And people kept saying, you're leaps and bounds ahead of, of where everybody else is. That, I believe, was because of this. That's what God had given to us. That's what He told us to do. And that's when you're acting obediently in what He told you to do. That's acting in faith. And all the green letters are doing is saying, act on what God has told you is true. Read it, know it, appropriate it and say, God has said that I'm not the servant of sin and that sin shall not have dominion over me. Therefore, since God said that's true, sin doesn't have dominion over me. I am not under the bondage to sin. I'm not under the law of sin and death. I'm under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And I can pass this. Uh, I'll, I'll go on with a little bit more about this in just a second here. Walking in the Spirit is to trust God, number five, for what he says is true and live from that principle not to make up our own rules and opinions about how to live. As we believe God and act on what he says, the Spirit of God in typical teamwork fashion would empower us and complete our work to the honor of God. Any other way is not pleasing to God. Everybody follow where I'm at? Any other way is not pleasing to God. The principle behind green letters is uh, call to live the life of Christ is to live by first believing, then appropriating uh, wh- what God has said is true, and finally, acting upon what you know God has said is true. That's living by faith. Everybody follow where I'm at? That's living by faith. All you have to do is go back and review Israel. Uh, and, as Israel's coming out of the land of Egypt and coming into the land of promise that was given to them. He called them full of unbelief because they wouldn't take what he said, believe him with it, and trust with him from there. That's acting independently. All right? So, that is why, number seven, so many self-actuated actions are immature, false, and even rebellious. They become fig leaf aprons to cover our unrighteousness and attempt to hide from God and each other. Learning to live by faith is the only way to be pleasing to God. Consider this verse: As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, I want you to let's break this down. Just to, it says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith. You, you simply believe. Now, here we are, kids. We're 2,000 years removed. 2,000 years ago, a Jewish man who was not particularly beautiful, not particularly fantastic, clearly God was with him, but that man was crucified. Lots of people were crucified. What makes that crucifixion so special to you 2,000 years later? You're not talking about the thieves on the cross. You're not talking about those guys and how important they are, but that one you do. Why? Because that one has something special applied to what that death on the cross was. And we say there's something special about that person. How do we say that being 2,000 years? We didn't see that. It is revealed to us by God that Jesus is a special person, that he is the God-man. And that being the God-man, that Jesus did something on the cross that no one else could do he set us free by what He did on that cross. Everybody see where I'm at on this? That becomes critical to understand. You were receiving that by faith. You didn't see it. You weren't around for it. You are receiving it by faith. You trusted Him. Well, if you were willing to trust Him to take you to heaven, someone you have not seen someone you you could not, you can't go back and watch the video, there is no video of it, there's nothing you can see of it, you're having to trust that the testimony of this word is true about who God is, about what he did, what he did, who Jesus is and what he did, and that Jesus' work was sufficient for you. Because that's what you did, you are called on now in the same way, in the same manner, To live that way you you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by faith that's how you got saved now being saved do it the same way believe what he says is true about everything he says that when he died you died with him on the cross wow that's mystical guys that takes it to a whole new level What do you mean? Here I am 2,000 years later and I'm dying on the cross with him? Yes, that's what he's saying. That I, my old man, is being crucified with him on that cross at the same time he is. And that's killing the old man in me. That's removing that old man from my life. It's taking that sin generator out of my life and replacing it now with, by his resurrection, he's giving me now new life. I have a new, a whole new person there. I have to live on what he said. Everybody with me? I have to live on what he said. That's living by faith. It's not making up my own rules and saying, here's what we're supposed to do. And this this is what I'd, you can make up all the rules you want, but they have got to be biblically based. All right. Well, let me go on. Um, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, now notice what it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. So here's what it's telling you to do. It's not telling you to do more things, uh, to, to act better than you did before, go to church more often, give more often. It's not telling you any of that. It's saying that you're, you have now known Jesus Christ, get into him. Get into a strong, powerful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, rooted and built up in him. Now you're established in the faith, the faith of believing who Jesus is. And the faith that was Jesus is being transferred to you. This this is important to see, that the faith that Jesus was living by Not only was his actions and his righteousness imparted to you, but his very faith is being imparted to you so that you're not living by your own trumped-up faith. You're living by his faith because it's a shared teamwork effort. He's not counting on you to have enough faith to live. He's counting on you to have enough faith to trust him. He will give you whatever else you need, all right? then consider these verses. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? The knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So, that those these exceeding things that are given to us, these all things that pertain to life and godliness are coming through him, not through the exercise of our life to be more godly. It's not about reading more scripture. You read more scripture because you want to know him. It's, it's not. I don't know if I make any sense or not, but um, it's. It's through the knowledge of him. And then look what he goes on to say. By which have been given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through the promises. Everybody see what I'm saying? Through the promises. Not through your actions, not through the things that you do, but through the promises you can be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what I'm to do is get closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm abiding in him, and his life is transferring to me. Now, the life that I'm supposed to live is getting the opportunity to live through me. All right? Questions or comments about anything I've talked about so far? This is the Christian life. Okay? I I, want to emphasize that over and over. This is the Christian life. This is what it's being talked about. Number eight. Maturity is acting upon, by faith, what God has said is true and appropriating it as true in your life regardless of your thoughts to the contrary. Whether you think that's what's supposed to be happening or not has nothing to do with it. It's about who he is and what he has said is true. Even whatever you come to do, you can say, this is what God has said is true. I'm counting on that. That's, that's the way I'm understanding what I'm supposed to live. Go on further. Immaturity is penance, not repentant faith. Now, um, just just kind of talk about what the difference between penance and repentant is. Penance is actions that I dream up that will impress God enough. It's a, a way of me inflicting myself with some sort of punishment that God will see that I'm serious about requiring His mercy. And it's, it's in a way, Earning his mercy, penance. Uh, I remember um, Martin Luther. I don't know if you remember the story or not, but I'll, I'll tell it anyway. Martin Luther, um, when he went to to Rome, he was climbing upstairs on his knees. That was an act of penance. That was to let God know that He knows He's a bad boy, and and he's he's trying to be to show God He's serious about it, and that God would say, "Okay, you've done enough." Uh, some, some will say things like um, penance is um, uh, go, go save five Hail Marys. Uh, penance is count the rosary beads and say that 50 times. You do the rosary 50 times. Or uh, others have said such things as, uh, um, well, I won't even go into that. But penance is self-inflicted actions made to make God believe I'm serious about what I need to have done and to make him give me more mercy. You cannot obligate God. The penance is an affront to what God is doing. And, and some people will think that, you know, the, um, they know they've been bad so they promise God something like, uh, you know, if, if if you'll only get me through this I'll go to church every day through the rest of my life. And that's their penance. That's not repentance. That's penance. Repentance is a change of mind that goes from not believing God to believing God. It's now accepting what you didn't accept before. So immaturity is penance, not repentant faith. Penance makes us feel worthy, <clears throat> but it is meaningless to God. It does nothing to merit any more grace than he has already given. If you think that somehow, you, by what you do, by your being sorry, by your saying things, by your trying to make it up some way or another, you're going to earn more grace. You don't understand grace. Grace has been given to you without your merit without anything you could do. God has shown you grace and forgiven you fully already. You're not going to earn more grace. As a matter of fact, it's an affront to, to say to him, let me, uh, let me see if I can say it this way. Suppose that someone gives you a birthday present, and it's a, it's a wonderful present. Uh, they, they, let's say they, they give you a car. And it's, a, it's a beautiful, wonderful car, brand-new vehicle. And you're looking at that vehicle and you say, wow, that must have cost you a fortune. They don't answer anything. That's an affront. That's an offense to the giver. Why would you ask, say anything like that to the giver? How much did this cost? Even more so if you start reaching your pocket and say, I, I can't let you do that. I, here, let me at least give you 50000 uh, know, This guy gave you that vehicle it's an affront to offer to pay for it does that make sense to you so when when you're looking at the what the green letters is telling you penance is not any good trying to do things to to impress god is not that's an affront that's a rebellion it's to believe god to receive his forgiveness receive his acceptance and go on from there all right <clears throat> Maturity is accepting, what is, tr- that, um, is accepting as true what God has said. God is long-suffering with immaturity, but expects us to grow up into the faith. Just like you, you with your children, you don't expect the same thing from your five-year-old that you do from your 15-year-old. Yet you're not expecting your five-year-old to continue behaving as a five-year-old. You're going to train him, discipline him, bring him up in a way so that he knows how to act differently the next time. But when your 15-year-old wants to behave like a five-year-old, you're going to be harsher with him, more strong in your discipline with him because he should know better, okay? So when you have people who are acting in unbelief, it's one thing to act in childish ignorance. And if you're acting in childish ignorance, God's long-suffering with that. But when you're acting in unbelief, um, matter of fact, let's, let's see, if your actions are done out of unbelief, Then his discipline is harder, and it may cost us entry into the life of blessing and faith. The children of Israel who acted in unbelief never got to enter the promised land, but instead died in the wilderness, never knowing the fullness of a relationship with God. They lived a repetitive life of survival. You follow where I'm at? What did God have planned for you? What what great things did God have for you if you'd simply believed him? You know, he, he told Israel... If you'd opened your mouth wide, I'd have fed you with honey from the rock. I would have fed you with anything you wanted. I'd have given you anything if you would just simply said, we believe you, we'll take whatever you got. But you didn't. You acted independently. You acted in unbelief. You, you kept testing me all the time. And because of that, I wouldn't let you enter that land. God has wonderful things planned for us in our lives. But if we're going to act in unbelief and not believe what he says, then you can know that somewhere along the line, the blessed life is not going to be yours. Oh, you'll survive. And you'll probably still go to heaven. But what could you have had if you... But listened to him a little bit. Okay. Any, any comments or questions about that so far? All right. Let me go to letter B then. The author says that the old nature coexists with the new man. He then gives seven reasons for it. And on page 147 of your book, he says those seven reasons. Now, I had some difficulty with some of this. Um, but as I, as I went back and I reviewed, I remembered that Israel was also told that if you act in unbelief, I am not going to remove all your enemies from you. I'm going to leave you someone. They're going to be snares to you. They're going to be traps to you. They're always going to be tripping you up. I'm going to leave them there so that you'll know to trust in me. What are those seven things? Anybody want to give us any of them? To reveal the depth of sinfulness from which we were saved. Good, good. To reveal the depth of sinfulness from which we were saved. Sometimes we, we receive Jesus Christ. We don't realize what that really meant. How bad was I? Uh, you know, a lot of times we may be in a mess when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's we're, we're glad for that redemption. But we didn't realize, how bad a person was I that needed to be saved? How bad a person was I? And sometimes leaving the uh, wickedness in us so that we can see it helps us to know, oh, gross, I even think that way. I remember one lady was talking one day, and she said, I'm a believer and I've been a believer for a long time. But she said, I can't believe some of the thoughts that I have about my children when they're disobedient. <sighs> oh, I said, why can you not believe it? Well, I don't think I would think that way. Yes, you would. Or it wouldn't be there. You know, the the, the fact that you thought of it doesn't mean that you'd do it. You, you don't always have to be uh, owning every thought that you have. And you sure don't have to act on it. Uh, but... The 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 number of things that we could do wrong is incredible. All right, give me another one. What's another one the author says? You teach us to count ourselves dead, dead to the old and alive to the new. Yeah, you're looking at it? God, and, the yes, there you go. Dead to the old, oh, alive wow. to the new. Good. What's the third one? Teach us to abide in the Lord Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Amen. When, when you know that or working on your own, this is what you did. Oh, brother, it just makes you hungry to abide in Christ. I don't want to be there again. That's, that's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible way of life. I don't want to be there anymore. So let me go to the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the fourth one? To teach us to
1: walk in the Spirit. No? There we go. To
0: teach us to walk in the Spirit. Down here, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fifth one. Glorify the Father, and manifest the life of the Lord Jesus, despite our fallen nature, body, and world. Amen. You know, well, we'll come to it in just a minute, so I won't do it just yet. Um, give me a sixth, a sixth one. To give us good cause to watch for His superior. Oh, amen. amen. When, when you're living in this kind of life, and you're, you're thinking of all the things that you do, you just... Look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he finally gets here, I'll be delivered from all this for sure. Yeah. Number seven. Greater appreciation of eternal glory. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Greater appreciation of eternal glory. It won't be there anymore. I won't have to struggle with this anymore. All right. Let her see. One thing that is a result of the old nature, that's the habits of the old man that has been crucified and is now dead, separated from our condemnation before God is to remind the believer he is not to operate on his own apart from the power of the Spirit of God. It will always be failure. I should have put always in capital letters. It will always. That's not sometimes. That's not most of the time. It's always will end up in failure and death. It will cause the born-again believer to cry out with Paul, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul went through that, that same struggle that all of us go through. I want to do the right thing, and then I don't. I, I'm, I'm sick of myself for that. But how will I ever get delivered from this? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Green Letters was trying to say. Get back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about condemning yourself. Stop condemning other people. Just get back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive what he had to say appropriate it. Okay. Uh, letter D, the believer will never deal effectively with the old nature. He will become self-righteous by remaking the old nature into something religious and spiritual. Man, I've seen this take place with, with folk who um, they, they, they don't like this idea of just believing. They like to do things themselves, and they'll start to do something, and then they condemn everybody else. Remember, there was a, um, a man that was very strong about... Um, Sunday being a day of rest, and that was good. There was not, no condemnation in that, and, and he chose, because of that, to uh, fix his meals the day before and not eat out. He wouldn't eat out any place because that meant other people had to work, so he wasn't going to have other people working on Sunday, uh, so he wouldn't eat out on Sunday. Um, and that was all good. There was nothing wrong with what he was doing. That's, that was his appropriation of what the faith had to say. But when he chose to, to say about other people that you shouldn't be working on that either, okay, now he stepped beyond what it was. And it, it led him to being self-righteous. I don't ever work on Sunday. I don't ever do anything on Sunday, you know, as if what his doing was something really special. It wasn't. It didn't do anything for anyone. So it, it led him to a self-righteousness that was undeserved. And I still see that happen today. or That'll happen with uh, uh, people that I've talked with recently. Right. Uh, and uh, he may become critical of all other believers or the church to bring them down to his level. Uh, you know, he says, I'd... I'd I don't do these sort of things and you shouldn't either and because you do, you're not really spiritual. You know, you need to get off your high horse right away because that's not how you, anybody was saved. That's not anybody is sanctified. Stop that nonsense. You don't have that right to do that. Okay. And then uh, he may become cynical of all things spiritual, especially the, the Christ and his way. Um, I've seen people who get off in this like this and their own little world, and man, they, they start condemning the church. They start condemning all of the believers. That's not healthy, guys. It's just not healthy. Letter E, only the Holy Spirit can deal with the old man, and he does through the believer humbly accepting the truth about himself and of God's saving grace. It comes to the believer as he learns to reckon himself indeed to be dead unto sin and alive unto God. It comes as the believer by faith presents his being. Its members, his body, his soul, his spirit as instruments of righteousness and presents himself to God as being alive from the dead by replacing the deeds of the flesh with the acts of righteousness. It's not that you're now working on penance to get rid of the old things. I remember the, the old um, monks and stuff used to flagellate themselves. they take whip cords and beat themselves to, to hopefully get the flesh out of them. That's not the way you get rid of the flesh. You get rid of the flesh only by the Holy Spirit. And it's as you present yourself as servants of righteousness, and yourself as uh, did uh, alive unto God, that that the Holy Spirit can change that in you. Um, your author had said, the Holy Spirit draws on the death of the cross to render the old nature powerless, and he ministers the life of Christ, and that's through Christ's righteous life and his resurrection, to render the new nature productive. That's pages 148 to 149. It is the believer's utter dependence on the Holy Spirit working through his yielded members that the positive work of God is done through Powerful teamwork, so you you only win in a teamwork situation. In letter H, the author then goes into a lengthy discussion of the difference between the old nature's use of love and that of the new nature. Did did you do you did you appreciate that part of the thing? Is what uh, page one fifty? No one one forty nine through one fifty, where he discussed love and how. The, Love uh, by the Spirit doesn't uh, envy anything, it's not blowing it up. And then when he talked about love by the flesh, envies everything, it wants everything for itself. And he had a pretty good discussion there back and forth to show you uh, what the diametrical dif- differentiation is between the old life and the new life. All right. Comments, questions, thoughts? Every day you're going to be making a choice, and that's what your author was trying to get to here in the very last part of that chapter. Every day we're going to make a choice whether we're going to be believing God or we're going to be believing our circumstances. We're going to be believing God or we're going to believe all the people around us and the cynicism that goes on around us and all the ugliness that goes on around us, which one are we going to do today? The mature believer looks at what God has to say and say, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to trust God today with all that. God helping me, I will be a fruit-bearing believer today. So, fair enough. I think the last paragraph there on the fifty echoes what you just said. Yes. Yep. Make choices daily as to what ground to move to be dominated and defeated by the sins, or to be free and growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Good. Good. Good catch. So let's talk about how can we actually apply this? You know, how can you actually apply it? Every t- everything that you get the opportunity to do, you get the opportunity to be angry, you get the opportunity to be upset. Stop before you do and just, just think your way through it. What's making me upset about this? Is it me that's being upset here? Is the Lord Jesus Christ being upset? There are some things that upset the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, let's face it. He did put together a whip and drive some people out. It said several times that he was upset with Pharisees. He looked at them and said, you know, just made a a loud grunting sound, you know, that "I'm, I'm just sick of the way you guys handle things. So is it Jesus that's being upset by this thing or is it just you? And if it's just you. Ask yourself, what do you need to suffer? Is, is this something that's really that important? Um, are, are you giving over to the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. All right. Anybody have anything else before we dismiss in prayer? Yep, but I'm not going to test it any further. <laughs> I've, I've done what I'm going to do. Next Sunday may be a short day. Yes. Can I summarize it? That's that is the, the essence of green letters. Um, I'm crucified with Christ. Okay. So is that true? Well, Romans chapter 6 says, I am crucified. I died when Christ died. Okay. Nevertheless, I live. Ah, but he says, yet not I. And it's it's interesting what he uses. A couple of words there. The Greek word for I is ego. We get our our English word ego from that. And he says, I was crucified with Christ. He says, ego with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And he didn't use ego there. Yet not I, ego, yet Christ lives in me. So he, he backed off and said, look, it's, it's not me that's living. My Me died. There is something new. There's a new me living in me. And that's when he said, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith, and it's of the Son of God, not in the Son of God, of the Son of God. And that's, that's exactly what the Greek phrase is. And when I saw that, I went back and reviewed all the Greek books that I had on that, And they said, yes, this is an unusual use of the word. So I think what he meant was in. No, what he meant was of. Why? Because if you died with Christ and you rose again with Christ, it's Christ's life that's in you. It's Christ's love that's in you. It's Christ's patience that's in you. It's Christ's endurance that's in you. And can I say, it's Christ's faith that's in you. Remember what he said, peace I leave with you. So what peace do you have? His peace. That's the teamwork element. Follow that? That's the teamwork element. He's not counting on you to be peaceful. He's counting on you to accept his peace, to be as peaceful as he was. He can sit and stand before his accusers, be slapped around, beat around, and not say a word. He can stand before the, the governor of the powerful kingdom and say to him, my father gave you this power. Therefore, I'm not going to resist you. My father gave you the power that you have right now. You couldn't do this. It wasn't for my father. So that, that kind of peace is yours. But so is the faith. It's trusting Christ's faith to work in you. It's not even your own faith.